Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 130th episode of East Central Indiana's most trusted name in political podcasts. This is Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. I've got a great program planned. I would like to ask before we get started, as always, that you share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites, like literally every single one. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, and many, many more. All they've got to do is go to that specific hosting site, search Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, and it'll pop right up. The newest episode first, and all of the old episodes are there to always go back and listen to. If you don't have a favorite hosting site, I might suggest the easiest way to tell them to find us is to Google Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There, I release a lot of different content as well as the live at 835 live video episode that I release seven days a week at 835 p.m. All right, so this episode, 130, it's a big, big episode. Yeah, 130 is kind of a milestone. It's right here, knock, knock, knocking on the door to Thanksgiving 2020, and we've had so much craziness going on. I figured we might do something a little bit different than just the usual political podcast. Yes, we have a lot of craziness going on as far as who our president's going to be. It's going to be Biden. Let's just say that and get it out of the way. It's going to be Biden, but there's a lot going on with that. And next week, we're going to start really crunching uh, the facts and taking a look at what's going on and what this means for America and what's going to happen over the next month as we get ready to approach the date that the Electoral College will meet, which will be sometime at the beginning of December. So we'll be talking about all of that as we pick up after the holiday. But for this episode, I wanted to do something kind of fun that you might listen to if you're off a couple days before Thanksgiving. Maybe you'll listen to me while you're doing some Black Friday shopping. Or if I'm lucky, hell, you and the family will be sitting around eating your Thanksgiving Day meal socially distanced, of course, and listening to Perception is Reality all together. And so since the Thanksgiving holiday is upon us, and since this year has been absolutely crazy, and honestly, we have quite a bit more before we get out of this year and into the new year, and we will be picking up on all of that next episode, I figured we might do something a little bit different, and I might go back, 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 way back into my memory vault and pick out a story from my younger days, which in just a moment I will recount to you, but right now we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to episode 130 of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back.
Perception is reality. Hey folks, everyone knows what it's like to have an old black and white photo of your parents, maybe your grandparents, of a special memory throughout your life, or maybe you have a colorized photo that's not in the best shape. It's faded, there are some scratches or other marks. You need to see my friend Cheyenne Marie Tedrow. You can find her on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cheyenne Marie. That's C-H-I-A-N-E. M-A-R-I-E, or email C-T-E-D-R-O-W-922 at gmail.com today to see what she can do for those old family photos. Welcome back, sports fans, to this 130th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. This is the holiday edition episode. It's 2020's Thanksgiving episode, and even though everything in the world is crazy right now, it's been such a hellacious year, I figured I would take a week off of crazy politics and really ranting and raving or trying to point something out or right the wrongs of the world, and I would just kind of relax, get in the Thanksgiving type of mindset, and tell a story from back in my younger days. I figured that this might be something that we could just have a little bit of fun with. This is a story that some of the people that are near me know, but not everybody does, and every time I tell it, someone says, man, you ought to put that in a podcast episode. So, here we go. I don't know how it's going to play. You can let me know. Get a hold of me and tell me what you think of this story. And I actually got to thinking about it as I was trying to... uh, put together everything that I was going to tell and decide what I was going to leave out, you know, protecting the uh, guilty and all. Uh, And I thought, you know what, there is a little bit of a moral to this story. And the story is, when you have a goal in mind and you're moving forward, even though you might find yourself in some literal bullshit, and we'll get to that in a moment, that if you just keep on plugging through it, partner, you will find better days ahead. So in order for us to get into the story and get into this mindset, we have to go back many, many years, okay? This story took place in... Uh, It was either my sophomore or my junior year. So the way that we have to set this up is, you have to understand, I was the drummer in a band, all right? We were a five-piece band. I played drums. Josh Biner was a guitar player. Jay Baker was a guitar player. Brandon Hart was the bass player. And Nicholas Prince was the vocalist. So it was me and four other guys. And then we had a bunch of friends that would hang on, and they would kind of uh, just chill and, and loaf around us. They were just friends of ours. I was always the straight edge out of the band. I didn't do drugs. I didn't smoke pot. I didn't take acid. I didn't drink. Uh, And, you know, I'm not trying to uh, point fingers at anybody, but it was a high school band, college band. You know, I might have seen some people smoke a little bit of weed and maybe take some drink, you know, every now and then. And they did what they wanted to. So it was what it was. But I think that our other friends would hang out because of some of those substances that my fellow bandmates might partake in from time to time. So we would have a band practice. We band practiced uh, quite frequently. Our, our band would practice 
several days a week, you know, if we were going to go record or play someplace or whatever. So we would practice and get together quite frequently. And then afterwards, if it was through the week, we would have a Nintendo 64 Mario Kart uh, tournament. If it was on a weekend, we would go bowling. And, you know, in between practice and whatever we were doing, some of the guys would run off and, and smoke a little bit of marijuana uh, and uh, relax a little bit or, whatever, you know, whatever they were doing. And I think that's why we had a lot of the other people that kind of hung out here because they were looking for some, you know, free substances. So that's kind of what happened. Well, I was the first one out of my friends to have a driver's license and a vehicle. I was about six months or eight months older than most of the rest of my friends. And so I had a driver's license as soon as I could get a driver's license. And I worked and I had a job. And uh, so therefore, I had money to buy a vehicle. And I bought a truck and it was a nice truck. And very frequently, I would fit me and about 15 other people into this single cab truck that was a bench seat. I don't understand how we weren't arrested, how we how we didn't wreck and die. I'm amazed at some of the stupidity that happened when we were kids and it just it it scares the hell out of me. So, I had this one buddy that would hang on and hang around us and he was a friend of mine actually that I was friends with before I was in the band. He was a friend of mine since about 6th grade in in middle school at Delta Middle School. His name was Stephen McPherson. And Stephen and I were probably what you would call best friends. Besides the guys in the band, Stephen and I were the dudes that you always saw together. He would stay the night at my house. I'd stay the night at his house. After school, we were together. On the weekends, we were together. At school, we hung out. We took classes together. That's just kind of how we rolled. Besides the guys in the band... Stephen was my go-to friend, my, a best friend. I, I still know Stephen all these years later. So back in high school, I remember when the Meyer grocery store, department store, was built out on the west side of Muncie, out on McGalliard 332. And that happened when I was younger. But when we were in high school, Stephen got a job out there, and he thought it was the best thing ever because it was also close enough to the Gaston area that there were a lot of kids from Gaston there. And if there are a lot of cat kids from Gaston there getting jobs, that means there's a lot of girls from Gaston there. Obviously, going to Delta, we knew all the girls there were at Delta, but so this was a chance for Steven to kind of have a whole new world of uh, women to choose from. So he's working his job at Meyer. And I remember him coming to the house one night after work to listen to the band play and talking about this girl that he was just madly in love with. And he, she was a, uh, a cheerleader from Gaston. He wanted to impress her, and he wanted to be able to date this woman or whatnot. So he had talked to her while he was at work and was trying to be the smooth operator that we all tried being when we were... I don't know, sophomores, juniors, on up through now, honestly. But uh, he was working his charm and doing his thing, and she told him that her cheerleading friends would be out at the Gaston Fairgrounds 
uh, on this certain evening, and they would be selling tickets, and he ought to come out there and see her. So he tells us that this is going to be a great idea, and for whatever reason, nobody else was really into this, okay? I don't know if they were all loaded up in the girlfriend department. I don't know what the deal was, but I said, yeah, I'll tag along. You and I are best pals. I won't leave you hanging. I'll be your wingman. So Stephen and I load up. We, we get in my truck, and we drive out to the Gaston Fairgrounds. It was their Lions Club fair. And Stephen tells me that this girl's selling tickets for something, and he wants to try to buy her tickets because as soon as she's done selling all the tickets, okay, she can then be done and walk around with him. So I thought, all right, you know, we can see what we can do. And listen, this was my sophomore year. I had a job that I worked full time in the summer, and I worked almost daily after school, so I had money in my pocket. I had a good amount of money. I didn't really have much to pay for at the time, you know, gas or whatever. So I had some money in my pocket, and Stephen had money in his pocket. He had a job. We find this girl and her friends, and we find out how many tickets that she has. And I think I ended up having like 45, maybe 50 bucks on me for some unknown reason. I was a kid. I was a sophomore in high school, but for some unknown reason, I had a good chunk of change with me. 45 bucks, maybe 50, I don't know. And I don't exactly remember how many tickets uh, this woman had, or this girl had, or, or how much the tickets were, but it was probably one of those deals where you could buy a ticket for a dollar, or you could buy six tickets for five, or five tickets for six, or, or whatever the deal is there. And so Steven kind of gets me off to the side, and he's like, hey, look, if we pool all of our money together, we can we can buy buy all of her tickets, and then, you know, you can go hang out over there, and, and I can walk around with her. I thought, oh, gee, this sounds fantastic. What are these tickets for? Like, if we buy these tickets, I want to ensure that we win. You know, can we, can we kind of, I'll hook a brother up. If you can hook a brother up, what, what is the prize? And we go over to her and she says they are selling a tickets for a bull, a, a bull, a B-U-L-L, a 1900 pound black Angus blue ribbon winning bull. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm a drummer in a band. I need a bull. Now, keep in mind, folks, I live just north of Muncie at the time. I'm a high school student. I didn't grow up on a farm. I consider myself a city boy. You know what I mean? I know I grew up across the street from a cornfield, but I don't consider myself a farmer in the least bit. The animals that I know are dogs and cats. We had a rabbit when I was younger, but that's the extent. I do not know things about animals. I am not a crazy horse guy. I don't know really anything about cows. I don't know anything about bulls. So I am the last person in the world that should enter a contest to win a bull, all right? Furthermore, what would I do with it if I won it? At this point, I had no clue what was going on, but my brain at the time said, hey, my buddy wants to go out with this girl. He wants to help her get rid of her tickets. 
I got some money in my pocket. He's got some money in his pocket. Let's pool our money together. Buy this chick's tickets. Hey, she might have a friend that thinks we're doing a nice thing, and maybe that friend wants to kind of hang out with me or whatever, you know? And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, hell yeah, I'll win a bowl. I didn't know... Again, the bull thing seems so crazy, and this story seems absolutely improbable, and I can't even believe it's something that happened or something that I'm telling you, but this is all very much a true story. So Stephen and I pooled together some money. I think between us, we ended up having like 60 bucks, and we buy all of these tickets that this young uh, lady has, and I tell her, listen... Whatever you do, ensure that I win. I don't know why I was so uh, insistent upon this. I guess, I, to me, I thought, well, hell, if I'm spending 40 bucks or something like that, I want something out of it. So I was. she's like, oh, yeah, 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 you'll win, you'll win, no big deal, you'll win. Again, I don't know what I was going to do with this bull, but it is what it is. So... <laughs> <laughs> we give her this money. She gives us the bottom halves of the tickets. They go do their thing. They're walking around, and it gets time to where they're going to announce the winner of this contest that the Gaston cheerleaders were selling tickets for. And we all crowd around, and the first thing they do is call everybody over, tell everybody to get their tickets out. Now, we've got a large amount of tickets, okay, because we spent a good amount of money on these tickets. And <clears throat> we, <laughs> we get these tickets, and I give Steven some of the tickets. I have some of the tickets, and the girls got some of the tickets. And they start calling off the winning numbers, and you know how the tickets have like six or seven numbers on them? It starts out with like 079521. And so really what you do is you look at the last four. Well, when it called out the first number, it was not even like my number. All of my numbers started with zero and the first number on this ticket started with one. So instantly I knew I had not won, which, OK, not a big deal. I didn't win. What the hell was I going to do with a bull anyways? This guy hoops and hollers. I won. I won. I won. I won. You know, he's a cowboy. You can tell he's a good old boy. And he's won this bull. He's an older man, you know, like we were kids. I was a high school kid. This guy is a, a man. He's a farmer. And he walks over. They shake his hand. Of course, we couldn't see the bull or anything. I, I don't even know what was going on here. But then instantly, this man stands up on this fence post and says, Okay, who wants the bull? And Instantly, <laughs> this girl that I had no clue who she was, this is Stephen's like first night ever with her. She looks at me, all of her friends look at me and says, he does. And everybody points in my direction. And that guy says, he's yours. And I thought, all right, <laughs> okay, that's great. 
I walk over to this guy and he's like, "All right, son, what are you, you know, what 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 are you doing? What's, you know, why do you want this bull? What are, what's your plans?" And I'm like, "I'm a I'm in a band." And in going through my mind is maybe we can take pictures with it. It'll be behind a fence somewhere and maybe in a day or two the band can come out and take pictures with it. I honestly don't know what I was thinking at this point. Moreover, I don't know what this man was thinking, and honestly, I don't know how this story progresses from this point. But at this juncture, he says, the bull's yours. When do I need to bring it to your farm? And as soon as he says farm, I kind of snap out of it for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't got a farm. So I'm thinking, like, I don't know what's going to happen. At this point, I'm, like, not sure how I'm going to get out of this. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Here's my phone number. Uh, you can call me, and we can work it out. He said, okay, I'll call you in the morning, and we'll work it out tomorrow. I'll bring the bull by, and we'll get, we'll get her dropped off to you first thing tomorrow. And I thought, okay, that's, it is what it is. He says, what's your address? Well, folks, my parents' address is on a major highway, and there's not much yard there. So I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't give him my parents' address. The, the first thing I could think of was my grandparents' address, which is out south of Muncie. It's between Muncie and Cowan, and they have a large swath of land, and they are the first people I thought of. For whatever reason, I have no clue, again, I have no idea what's going through my head at this moment. Moreover, I don't know what's going through the head of this adult man at this moment. The number one thing that we were doing was trying to get with some girls, you know, and trying to impress some girls. I was a drummer in a band. You know, of course, that's my main goal in life, impressing these girls, being a drummer in a band. What else are you in a drummer in a band for? You know, Stevens already impressed this girl because he's bought all of her tickets, and, you know, maybe she thought we had money. I don't know what the deal was. We're young and dumb and, you know, the rest of that story. So <laughs> this guy has my grandparents' address, and he has my phone number, and I think I mean, like, I didn't have a pager. We didn't have cell phones. I was a sophomore in high school. So Stephen and I spend the rest of the, our evening with this girl and with her friends, and we get in the truck and we leave, and we talk and joke about what a crazy night this was, and I can't believe that I have lost 40 bucks, you know? I basically spent 40, 45 bucks on nonsense and got nothing to show for it. Didn't get a kiss, didn't get a hug, didn't get a number. Apparently, I got a bull coming to me in the morning, but I'll deal with that tomorrow because I'm a dumb kid that didn't really understand what was getting ready to happen. Stephen and I go back to my parents' house and we crash for the evening, do our thing, whatever. And the next morning... We wake up to the phone is ringing and ringing and ringing. It goes to the answering machine. You hear the answering machine click on. It clicks off, and then it starts ringing again. And Stephen's like, get the phone. What's happening? So I go and pick up the phone, and I answer it. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. And the voice on the other line says, Hello, partner, this is Farmer Jack from Gaston, and we're loaded up. We're getting gas at 67 and 28. That's just north of Muncie for those that are listening, not in Muncie. And we're getting ready to bring this bull out to your farm, buddy, and I just want to make sure you're there and going to be able to help take care of this bull. And instantly, when he says farm, 
for the first time, I'm like, oh shit, what have I gotten myself into? Now, at the time, I didn't think, why is this grown-ass man doing some kind of crazy-ass bull deal with a 10th grader? But now, <laughs> as an adult, and having been a parent, I'm thinking, what in the absolute hell was wrong with this guy that he didn't ask to get in contact with a parent and he just felt this was normal. Boy, I wish I knew who this guy was because I'd like to talk to him and ask him exactly what he thought was going on. It's insane what happened. So he tells me he's getting ready to load this bull up or he's got the bull loaded up and they're at a gas station and he's getting ready to take this bull and drop it off at my grandparents' farm. And let me tell you, it is not a farm. They've got some land, but it is by no means a farm. They don't have any other farm animals. There are no cows, there are no bulls, there are no horses. There's not even any dogs out there anymore. So I'm thinking, oh shit, oh shit. So I wake Steven up and I'm like, dude, come on, we got to roll. We got to get out here. There's a situation going on. So we're like flying out across the bypass and he's laughing the whole time. I can't believe you bought a bull. I'm like, I didn't even buy it. I didn't even buy it. This guy, Farmer Jack, paid $5 for a couple of tickets. He won this bull and he's getting ready to drop this bull off, trading me this bull for nothing and dropping this off out of my grandparents' house. How am I going to get rid of a bull? I didn't know. I was thinking like I could just let it go. It could wander off. Like I, I was really kind of freaking out. And now keep in mind, this is Sunday morning. So my grandparents are at church. They're not even at home. So we get out to my grandparents' house and we're sitting there, and we're sitting there, and we're sitting there, and a few minutes go by, and down comes this big dually diesel truck pulling this great big trailer, and I'm just sitting here sweating bullets at this time. He turns the truck around, he backs the trailer down into the yard a little bit, because there is a pole barn, but it's not an animal barn by any stretch of the imagination, and this guy is a farmer, so he clearly could look around and see we weren't at a farm. He gets out of the truck, and he says, where do you want him? <laughs> I said, uh, I guess right over here, you know, like, do you got to tie him up or what? And he's like, uh, yeah, you're going to want to tie him up. So... He pulls the door down off this trailer and he walks this ginormous bull. And this bull looks mad and he's stomping his feet and he's kind of bucking and he's snorting and spitting and slobbering. And this guy is like, all right, buddy, I'm going to tie her to this tree here. The tree that he tied him to was just very small little tree that I'm sure this bull absolutely could have pulled out of the ground if he wanted to. And this bull has this rope that's attached to the tree and it runs up and it's attached to this face mask type of situation. The guy walks over to me. He shuts the door of his trailer and he says, all right, son, that <laughs> that'll be $1,600. <laughs> and for the first time i think uh, i'm in trouble i'm i am in deep deep trouble look i had money 
<laughs> uh, from working all summer and and you know playing gigs and whatnot. But I didn't have sixteen hundred dollars, and I sure as hell wasn't going to pay sixteen hundred dollars to a farmer that I had no clue who he was for a bull that I didn't want or need or, or have any any responsibility having or, or it's nonsense that this is a true life story. Steven is sitting on the edge of my truck laughing, dying at this point. I tell this guy, oh man, I'm sorry, I don't have the money on me. You want to load the bull back up and take the bull with you? And this guy says, no, <laughs> bring the money to my house tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay. He said, I'm also going to let you keep the face mask and the rope. You owe me $90 for that. So now I owe this guy uh, $1,690 for a bull and a face mask and this uh, lead that he's tied him to this tree. The guy jumps into his truck and he takes off out of the driveway. Now, I don't think like, well, this guy could be scamming me. I mean, he wasn't scamming me. Like, I just don't know what he thought. I, I would like to talk with him and find out what he thought. Keep in mind, all we did was go to the Gaston Fair looking to impress some girls. Okay, and somehow we wound up on a Sunday morning at 1030 in the morning staring down this 1900 pound black Angus bull. It had like paperwork, blue ribbon stuff uh, that came with it. it. It was a massive Indiana State Fair prize winning bull. Okay, and now I owe this guy sixteen hundred dollars. And I was absolutely bullshitting my pants. Let me be very clear. Well, we sit out there, and I don't know what to do. Gone from my mind is the the novelty of how the band and I could take some pictures around this bull as I'm staring and looking at this wild animal. There's no food for this animal. It's not like we could keep him. I mean, I, I, I cannot believe that this honestly happened. So the guy's gone, and we're sitting down there, and I'm, I'm like calling people and freaking out. At this, about this time, my grandparents pull down in the driveway. And you know, as I always say, the cover-up is worse than the crime, and the reason I say that is from experience. So I'm a dumb kid. We're down here. I'm thinking, man, my life is over. I am in so much trouble. I don't even know how to get out of this. Uh, you know, now as an adult, I'm thinking, you know, if I was my dad or if I was my grandpa or someone, some adult, I would have took this bull back to that farmer and I said, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? You don't make a deal with a kid. I was in 10th grade at this time. Uh, so my grandparents get out and my grandma and grandpa haven't even seen this bull yet. And they, they see me and I walk up and I'm like, hey, 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 look. And then they see the bull and she's like, what is it doing here? It's a big ordeal. You know, we joke and they tell me that that's me paying them back for all the hamburgers they've got me or whatever, you know, throughout my childhood. And we've kind of laughed and joked about that. I go into cover my ass mode and I say exactly what I would have said the night before. I say, look what I won. And so that's you know, problem number two. Problem number one was entering into this deal with this gentleman 
And problem number two is then I lied about it. So I'm like, I won this bull. And they're like, what? And so we tell this story. I tell Stephen, hey, stick with me. You just got to roll with me on this. I won it. We, we bought the tickets, and I had the winning number, and they dropped it off. I didn't know where else to take it, and they dropped it off out here. So they call my dad. My dad comes out. Everybody's come out looking at this bull. It's insane what's going on. And everybody's like happy and proud. And here I am freaking out about this because I have lied about it. And I do owe this man, apparently, $1,600. I never knew that you could get trapped into owning a bull and needing to pay $1,600 in a just a wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am kind of deal. A handshake and, and a, a wink would buy you a bull that you would have to pay for. And what was this man doing allowing me to owe him this money? We had not made any kind of contract. I'm not even sure he knew my last name. All he knew was an address where he dropped this bull off. And now that I look at it, it's almost like some kind of weirdo scam that <laughs> this is, is just what they were doing. And I'm not, I, it really wasn't. I'm, I don't mean that. It just was such a weird rabbit hole of an experience that I just don't understand how it happened so quickly. This shows you how quickly things can get out of control when two high school boys are trying to pick up girls. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm standing here freaking out. My family's acting all proud that I won this thing, which I didn't do. I'm freaking out because I lied. Second, most importantly, I apparently owe this guy $1,600. I'm trying to figure out just what the hell we're going to do with a 1,900-pound black Angus bull that is tied to a very small tree in a residential yard, and I'm just kind of outside of my head at this point, like looking down on all of this happening. My family's all proud. My friend Steven is sitting over here about pissing himself, laughing at, at all of this insanity. And I'm freaking out because I've lied about this and because I owe $1,600 to a man who I... I really don't know. He didn't know me. What happens when I don't pay him and he turns back up out here because this is the only place he knows, my grandparents' house. I'm assuming he thinks that I live out here. And he's like, hey, I'm here to collect the bull because he didn't pay me $1,600. This was going to be such an issue. And I wasn't understanding how I was going to get out of this. And here is the kicker. My grandmother's running around trying to find a camera and film so she can take a picture of me and this damn bull. Keep in mind, folks, this is back before all the fancy smartphones. So she would have had to actually do it with an old roll of film. So so they're running around trying to find a camera. I'm trying to figure out in my head how much money I have in my bank account. How much could I give him down? Do you think that he would make a deal with me? Do you think that he would let me owe him over the next couple coming weeks? What's going to happen here? I was absolutely, absolutely sweating bullets at this point and freaking out. I, 
again, not even knowing what the hell we're going to do with this bull. And everybody else just seems so amazed by this. And they're, they're wanting pictures. And what a great day. And here I am getting more and more sick at my stomach because of all of the insanity surrounding all of this. And my family's not even aware of what I'm facing because, of course, you know, I did what dumb kids do. And I lied to them about it, trying to cover up the insanity. And it's just getting more and more intense as the day progresses on. My grandma's wanting a picture, and all I'm trying to figure out is how I'm going to pay this guy. And then after I pay him, what are we going to do with this bull? It was absolutely crazy. And that sounds like a great place to take a quick break. If you're interested in finding out how this story resolves itself and how it wraps up, you'll want to stick around after the break. Folks, you're listening to the 130th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back, and that's no bullshit. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question, and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all their opinions are right. This one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilberry is a no-nonsense political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen, holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens about the importance of participating in their local government. Welcome your host, Christopher H. Bilberry. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this 130th episode of Perception is Reality. I am Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is the Turkey Day edition. I figured we would have a little bit of fun rather than getting all political just right here before the holiday. You know, there's so much craziness in the world. However, there is still so, so, so much to be thankful for. So I figured I'd give it a rest on the politics here for a second and have a great episode just talking about some nonsense before we really get back into the thick of things next week. So before we left off for the break, our hero or anti-hero, I guess you could look at it, myself as a 16-year-old boy standing in a yard uh, that's owned by his grandparents with a leash to a bull that's tied to a tree that he owes $1,600 on, and how in the hell did I get in this situation? Moreover, how was I going to get out of the situation? So we're standing here. My grandma comes out and says, hey, I found a roll of film. Stand by that bowl and I'll get your picture. And she snapped the camera, click, and the film rolled back up like the old cameras used to do. <laughs> there was only one picture left on this roll. I don't think I was looking up at the camera at this point. She's like, wait a minute. we I wanted to get you smiling next to it. So it was what it was. And I thought that was just very indicative of how this event kind of was, you know, went. So we're sitting here and my grandpa says, 
hey, I'm going to call so-and-so I used to work with. He owns a farm, and maybe he can tell us, you know, what we need to do. I think they thought I wanted to, like, process this bull and have some steaks. And I thought, no, 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 I definitely don't want to kill it. I owe $1,600 for this thing. What happens if I don't get this guy his money, and he wants to come back and reclaim this bull, and we've sent it off to the meat chopping uh, factory? What's going to happen then? So I was definitely not looking to do anything like that. And now I'm really starting to panic because it's setting in, hey, we're not going to keep this thing. It's not like a cat or a dog. They're looking to get rid of it, and I think they're wanting to eat it. And I'm not really knowing how I'm going to give this guy his $1,600. All right? And not to mention the fact that this is a prize-winning, blue-ribbon, award-winning bull. It had been to the state fair. It had won a whole bunch of blue ribbons down there. I'm not a 4-H kid. I don't know anything about cattle. I'm not a farmer. I didn't know anything about this. Hell, I didn't know that farmers would get rid of blue ribbon award-winning cattle like this. And maybe after they take them to the 4-H fair and the state fair and they do all of that, maybe they do slaughter these animals. I'm not really sure. I don't know how this works. I'm 16 years old. I shouldn't be owning a bull right now. You know, that's kind of insane. So that's where my head is in all of this, and I'm not really sure what's going on. Well, unbeknownst to me, my grandfather went inside and called this gentleman that he used to work with work with, who also, besides working at the factory, lived on a farm. And the guy says, hell yeah, I'd come down and, and take that bull and we can, I'll, you know, we, we chop it up and you can have some meat. That's exactly what I would do. And my grandpa's all about doing this, but he tells the guy, no, no, I'm not really sure. I need to go out and talk to them and find out what's going to happen here. So we're outside. My grandpa comes back out. We're just kind of all standing around in amazement that this bull is standing here. Obviously, I'm not going to keep this thing. It's not like a cat or a dog. We have no food for it. Or I don't know. Maybe it was eating the grass. I don't know what goes on. I'm not a farmer. I'm a 16-year-old kid. Why am I standing here with this bull that some grown-ass adult man dropped off and made some kind of weirdo deal with me on? How is this happening? All because we wanted to impress some girls. That's the key story here, that this is all happening because my buddy and I were 16-year-old kids wanting to impress some cheerleader from Gaston. That's what blows my mind. So unbeknownst to all of us, the guy that my grandfather had talked to on the phone had ran to town. They lived in Newcastle. And he had ran to town, and he was going to some store, and he had talked to another farmer that he knew that lived up in the little area of Luray, uh, which is just a small town in between Muncie and Newcastle. And he had told this guy in passing, hey, you'll never know what kind of crazy story I heard this morning. A guy I used to work with at GM, his grandson won a bull up in Gaston. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I, do you know where this is going? I bet you do. 
And for the first time, I realized that when I tell the story at this point, it makes it seem like the guy that he ran into is the same guy that sold me the bull. But that's not what's going to happen here. So, so be calm. That's not what happens. This guy says, well, hey, I have some blue award-winning bulls, and I don't process them. I let them live out their days on my farm. I'm going to have to get in contact with this family. So we're standing out in the driveway. A couple hours have passed at this point, and a truck pulls down in the driveway. We didn't know who it was. We didn't know anything about what was going on here. Uh, and this guy had given my grandfather's address to this other man. The other man came to the house, pulled down in, got out, and said, Wow, he's a beauty. And this guy's just walking around this bull. Well, he didn't say anything to us, had not spoken to us one word. We're all just kind of looking at him. And my grandma finally speaks up and says, yeah, my, my grandson won this bull. Uh, can we help you? And the guy said, well, I'm so-and-so. Uh, a friend of yours just told me that you guys had this bull and weren't farmers and needed something, uh, needed a home for this bull. And I wanted to stop down here and offer you guys a place to keep this bull. He will live out his days happy. He won't be hurt. He won't be harmed. We won't eat him. You won't eat him. He'll be able to live there with other award-winning blue ribbon bulls and live happily ever after. And my, everyone seems excited and thrilled by this, except me, because no matter what happens with this damn bull, I'm thinking about this $1,600 that I owe this man. So what happens when we load this guy up in this guy's truck and... He didn't have his hauler there, but what happens when we send him away and this guy thinks that he is the proud owner of this bull and the $1,600 guy comes back to collect the bull because I can't get him his money and he's kneecapped me and he wants his bull back. So we're standing there talking and then just like it does in the movies, the clouds parted and the sun rays beamed down and hit me in the face because that's right when the guy says, who is the owner of this bull? And everybody in my family points to me and says, he is. And the guy said, all right, son, we have to negotiate over this bull. And when he said that, I didn't really know what he meant. Keep in mind, I'm 16 years old. I am now entered into two different negotiations over a bull with two grown men, which I think as a 40-year-old me, you know, close to being 40-year-old me, that this is really bizarre because at 40 years old, I would never enter into any kind of dealings with a kid, really an adult over any kind of bull. But why in the hell are these adults talking to me as a 16-year-old kid? I'm not a farmer. I don't know anything about these things. So this guy says, how much do you want? And like... I remember thinking, what does he mean? How much do I want for this bull? Like, how much is a bull worth? Well, <laughs> apparently it's worth $1,600. But before my mind could even process that, and before I could even say $1,600, this gentleman said, I tell you what, why don't I give you, I think a fair price for this bull would be, and he looks at me, and he looks at the bull, 
and he looks back at me, and he looks at the bull. He says, how about I give you $2,600? And at this time, Stephen's eyes got so big. I'll never forget. I looked right at Stephen, and his eyes got so big. And I said, how much? And he said, I think a fair price would be $2,600. I'll give you $2,600. I'll take this bull off your hands, and you can come see him anytime you like. And I said, sold. (laughs) So this guy leaves my grandparents' house, and we're all talking about how I just made $2,600. Now, unbeknownst to my family, I didn't just make $2,600. Basically, I made $900 because I've got to go pay this guy $1,600 plus the $90 for the uh, rope and the, the harness or that went all around his face or whatever. But I... I'm thinking, I can't even believe how this has happened, what's going on, how has, you know, God shown me the path and and really smiled down upon me, and all of this has been so crazy here. So the guy comes back, he loads up the bull, he counts out $2,600 cash in my hand, and off we go. I go and I pay this man in Gaston his $1,600 for the bull. I pay him his $90 for the harness and the face mask, and I got $900 in my pocket. And So the moral of this story is don't do dumb shit trying to impress girls. If you have a high schooler or you're a college-age kid or you're an adult, honestly, you probably should hear this story and understand the moral of the story. Don't do dumb shit to impress women. It will lead you down a bumpy road. Pay no attention to the fact that I come out ahead with $900 in my pocket after this crazy-ass story. All I can say is not everybody can be me. Folks, you're listening to the 130th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. This story was 100% the truth, no bullshit. I'll try to put a link to the one picture of me and the bull in the description of this episode so you can look at it. Remember, folks, to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Stay safe with your friends and family. Do what you need to to protect yourself from this COVID nonsense. And remember, even when times are looking dark, there's still so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. My friends, have a wonderful holiday. Stay safe. God bless, and I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.